Hello there, Pitch Pals, and welcome to our detailed review of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. So, let's just dive in. I'd need some initial thoughts from all of you. Uh, Jordan, as our guest, I'll come to you first. Okay, no pressure. <laughs> um, <laughs> but also, actually, no pressure, because it is very, very easy to talk about Into the Spider-Verse. Like, <laughs> it's it's not very often that you, you watch a film that it feels like they've just sort of cut you in half and they've just led out a film that is exactly what you would hope for from a piece of comic book <laughs> cinema. I mean, for for me, I remember when I first went to see Into the Spider-Verse, I, and I didn't, I don't think I have jumped off the bandwagon since, but Into the Spider-Verse is maybe the most compelling argument that I've ever seen for all comic book films being animated films. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because the way the way that Into the Spider-Verse captures the spirit of Stanley and Steve Ditko, of Jack Kirby, of Brian Michael Bendis, of J. Michael Straczynski, like all of the great comic book writers and illustrators that have graced the pages of Spider-Man over the years is nothing short of exceptional. I mean from the very get-go here with the marvel logos like with multiversal pops over the marvel logo you just know straight away that like hang on a minute wait this is this is something that i've seen before in a way that i've never seen it before mm. and immediately you just think okay i'm into this i want to uh -huh. find out everything that's going on here and then you're introduced to miles morales who if you'd have asked me 10 years ago when they or 12 years ago now since they introduced Miles Morales if you'd have asked me 12 years ago whether I thought I would ever love a Spider-Man more than I love Peter Parker who I grew up with as my Spider-Man I would have probably laughed you out of the room straight away sight and scene mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah. after reading Brian Michael Bendis's run on on the Miles Morales Spider-Man Ultimate Spider-Man and watching this film specifically it's really hard not to think that Miles is is my favorite. He's you know he's he's such a a sweet-hearted young man with a really believable backstory with family issues that are more complicated than you know just a rehash of Peter Parker's like his dad works in law enforcement his uncle's a supervillain like his mum who we're looking like we're going to see more of in across the Spider-Verse is doing her best to hold the fort for him and gradually help him towards becoming, you know, a, an upright young man. Um, and he's just a really cool guy. And I think this film, like right from the get go, you just think, okay, even when he's a dork, he's the coolest dork you've ever seen. <laughs> by, the end of, by the end of the film, you know, after you've had the what's up danger and, and the leap of faith, you just can't help but think like, okay, Spider-Man has changed now. Like, Spider-Man is different. When people think about Spider-Man on the big screen, for so many years, it was Tobey Maguire and the Sam Raimi films. And, you know, I've got a lot of time for the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man films, despite other people's <laughs> protestations. I think that he did an, an amazing job with less than amazing material. And I love Tom Holland as well. I think the MCU Spider-Man has been a, a beautiful sort of regalvanizing of the spirit of Spidey on the big screen. But Into the Spider-Verse is just like, it's a culmination of, of 60 years of storytelling that 
I never thought in my lifetime I'd see something that cool. And I've now just spent probably about half an hour doing my introductory <laughs> No, no, I think <laughs> let's... I just wanted to ask a second. I don't know if any of you guys read the Morales comics. No, no. So I guess like, for us, for our benefit, then and probably for the listeners who haven't read it as well, like you, you kind of touched on the different storylines, but like, is there a tonal shift with the Ultimate Spider-Man run? Is there... You know, what kind of other distinct differences? Because obviously the movies have their own distinct difference with the fact this is animated and what have you. But is there like tonal shifts? Is there differences between the franchises from a so comic I think, perspective they captured? I think, I think what, what happened was it was very controversial when, uh, spoiler alert, Spider-Man died in mm-hmm. the Ultimate Spider-Man comics run. There was a massive sort of outpouring of grief among fans about like but what is what is a world without peter parker and when brian michael bendis committed to this long run that would establish miles morales as the new spider-man it was a learning curve for the fans as much as it was for miles and so you sort of over the course of this run come of age with him as he learns okay well what what are Spider-Man's responsibilities? You know, with with great power comes great responsibility is obviously there. The idea of the the old sort of infamous Parker luck, where if if life's going well for Spider-Man, it can't be going well for Peter. You know, Miles is dealing with that kind of thing as well. But this was this was to, to sound incredibly basic, it was just modern and contemporary, and it was a a Miles Morales that was growing up in a world where, you know, he'd experienced police brutality and the strains of having a father that works in law enforcement. He has to deal with the idea that his own uncle, his own flesh and blood is actually one of the adversaries that he comes up against. And over the course of the the Miles Morales run of Spider-Man comics, you get the sort of the rogues gallery of Spider-Man yeah. villains, but you are reintroduced to them in new contexts that make you remember what it was like the first time you met them, but in a different way. Exactly what the film does so well, and what I think must have been on the kind of like wish list for the creators of this film is that they want you to go, oh, I know, I know Doc Ock, I know Wilson Fisk, I know all of these characters but I don't know them in the way that I'm, I'm seeing them now. Um, and Brian Michael Bendis is, is a genius writer. Like He's done amazing runs with Guardians of the Galaxy as well, and he's done stuff with Fantastic Four that's been great. But like his run with Miles Morales on Spider-Man just changed the game completely. And, you know, Miles is a character like with, with the sort of invisibility abilities and his sort of relationship with electricity. Like everything about that iteration of the character was like, okay, we've had 50 plus years of Peter Parker to live with and come to know and love. And he's going to be the bedrock and foundation of what Miles is going to spring from and and become his own Spider-Man. The future. But by the time you got to the end of that run with Miles, you kind of just were like, okay, in in the comic book world, we have a new Spider-Man to go alongside Peter Parker now. And then when it came out 
as a film and it managed to capture that same feeling, that's when I kind of had the moment of going like, oh, hang on, wait, maybe this is just my Spider-Man now. Um, Amazing. So a very long answer to a very simple question. <laughs> but um, yeah, they're, they're really, really good. You should absolutely read them. And they've just recently, I'm not getting paid to say this, but um, <laughs> they've recently re-released the omnibuses. There's two volumes to the to the Miles Morales Spider-Man omnibus, um, and that collects everything, including like special issues, some of the Spider-Verse and Spider-Man crossover stuff, um, but everything that you need to like really, really dig into Miles' world is is in there. There you go, Sony Marvel. You heard it here. Yeah. <laughs> Sponsored. <laughs> Ross, you were nodding along there, kind of someone who's not read the comics. Yeah, I mean, I've played the video game, but uh, mm. you know, and and uh, like when I say like you know, when I went to see this movie, you know, you, we've seen it before in terms of like you know the basic thing of him being bitten by a radioactive spider him then coming to terms but it was like i was i was sitting there and i was just like this is done so well though like and so different to peter parker and and it's quite meta in that in that sense obviously like um and i i think for me it's it's the i i fa- i found it really poignant the the performances you know Mm. his dad when he's talking to him and he sees him under the door and like he's like welling up because his uncle like his brother's dead and he's telling miles through the door and that like that bit's amazing and then like that coupled with the soundtrack for me because i'm a big soundtrack guy as you know um (laughs) like the shoulder touch bit at the end when he like gets up right in front of fisk and fisk is this hey. massive massive like dominating figure Black hole like, of a man. yeah like and 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 that it just gives you like goose bumps when you and you when you watch it because you're just like uh, and like the props to the visual effects team that did that they must have spent so much time on on some of those like intent like that whole that whole last like fight scene where it, you know they've got loads of different bits of like you know different versions of New York and things coming and smashing into each other and the trains and all that stuff like just well, the layers and textures like it's like a 3D yeah. animation isn't it like it it, yeah. goes, it transcends way beyond two dimensional animation in comic here yeah and and it's the way they they slowly introduce like when he gets bitten by that radioactive spider then you start he starts having that internal monologue like the comics like do and mm. and and that that was really cool as well um yeah just yeah i mean there's not really like everyone said everything but yeah like i just really love the movie like a, and they and like drew said the comic moments in it is are really good as well you know I really found it really funny when he he goes to the tallest skyscraper to jump off it, and then he <laughs> goes actually, and then goes to us like a a small yeah. one, which was really funny. I thought that yeah. was really good. Um, it's on a diving board, just like uh no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And when he finally like, you always wait until you see that Spider Man in that suit as well, and like obviously in the Tobey Maguire one, you had him in those like 
sort of little pajamary type ones, and then he fights um, Macho Man Randy Savage in in a cage match. Uh, <laughs> but um, when when he puts on the the suit and he spray paints it black and red, uh, it was just yeah that bit's so sick. Um, and yeah, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, and I really, Good. I uh, and I and I don't think you have need to have read the comics because you know like jordan said it's only been like the character's only been introduced like 12 years ago like mm-hmm. um and it's what a great way to introduce a new spider-man to give kids nowadays um you know that inspirational thing that it's not just peter parker now it's you know multicultural um a different Spider-Man, you know, mm-hmm. from a different culture and a different area and different upbringing. And I think that was really good. And it's refreshing for Sony to do that. Oh, yeah, big time. Andy, you're nodding away there. Yeah, well, Ross talking about um, how it's refreshing that everything's so different. Um, it's like even like the bug bite, which, we, you know, we all remember when Toby got bit. He had that big kind of thing and then the flashbacks almost and stuff like that. Um, and then this one, he just kind of hits it with like a newspaper or a bit of like his leaflet and then kind of kills it and then moves on. It's just like everything, yeah, yeah. everything is literally there. Like, how can we make this so different to the, the normal Peter Parker? And I like that this is a completely different Peter Parker. Like we've always seen every Peter Parker we've seen is the, the good boy that, you know, Tom Holland is now playing where now we see him where he's fat and he's lazy and he's kind of given up and stuff. And he, but he's still good. He's still good at what is at his job. But yeah, it's nice to see uh, just a, a new Peter Parker as well as like a new a new everything. How well, fucking but... how how also how fucking scary. If I was a kid, how fucking scary is the prowler in this movie? Every yeah. time yeah. every time it's yeah. all, it, it, every time he comes it's like the music as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But what about the Green Goblin? <laughs> At the start when the Green yeah. Goblin was fighting Spider-Man, what the fuck was yeah. I want to see that Green Goblin? That's amazing. <laughs> that is how the Green Goblin is in in the the comics for the Miles Morales run as well. Oh, like nice. Norman Osborn uh... turns into a creature, and it's yeah, it's really really fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking good. That looks so good. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that. That was that was pretty sweet. And they had um, what was it? Uh, it was a tombstone as well. They had uh, as one of Fisk's henchmen. I don't know if they actually uh, the blue guy. I don't know if they actually yeah. named him. Was a tombstone because he's in the video game as well. That's that's just how I know. But yeah. So uh, Drew, wrapping it up on you. I mean, I don't know what I I I I think I'll just list things that I think are great because you guys have all covered <laughs> it so well. I I I love the recurring joke of okay, let's do this. Let's do this origin story one last time. Yeah, let's explain who I am. The fact that that happens all the way through the movie, casting Chris Pine as as Miles's version of Peter is inspired. He's he's in it for such a small amount of time, and he makes a fantastic impact. The fact that every time I watch this movie, I forget that Penny Parker and Spider Ham and Spider Man Noir are going to show up every goddamn time <laughs> and then they show up and it's such a surprise because i'm so engrossed the fact that they balance such absurd comedy and like genuine slapstick comedy like where, where miles is stuck to the pigeon 
and the kids are in the classroom and he slams into the windows and then gets pulled away <laughs> and yeah. and just everything nick cage does in the film and <laughs> spider ham being there with deeply visceral tragedy that is so incredibly well portrayed i i can't like everything else you guys have said is perfect mm. if if i was going to keep talking it would just repeat things you've said it's it's a masterpiece i i'm so excited for i'm so well, excited for the sequel yeah do, do you think the shoulder touch actually works if i was going to like meet a girl and just be like Hey, no. The thing no. is, you, you have <laughs> you to be just as, keep me in the nuts a lot. Be you, like, oh, hey, what's up? <laughs> you have to be as cool and charming as both mm. um, Aaron Morales and or <laughs> Mahershala Ali. Yeah, and and both of those things are, I would wager, physically impossible oh, in any multiverse <laughs> for us five chuckle fucks. Also, Miles Morales, Miles Morales at least has an excuse for why his hands are sticky when he. I love the scene. The same his bushes. <laughs> go on. I love this. I love the scene where he has to. They have to go to Doc Ox, um, and they have to steal the the computer. And he's got the and he's got the monitor. Got the monitor. You don't need the monitor. Drop Good it. news. You don't need the monitor. Yeah. Yeah. And then and when he. When there is when they, they escape onto the balcony and he throws the bagel and it's the guy and yeah. he just passes it up and says bagel, <laughs> bagel. when he hits him. Yeah. It's so inventive and not to mention great. all of the glitches like the the art design of this film yeah. of mm. that specific it's, aspect is is so cool. cool. Yeah, that's something that What's... I really wanted to touch on if I had chance to was just yeah. the, with the, I mean obviously the visual style of the entire thing is just like insanely impressive. But like some of the visual touches, like all of the the what they call Kirby spots, which are those kind of like splotches that you get that are glitches that kind of give the impression of like cosmic interference and in everything that's happening. But also as well, yeah. like something really cool that they did for the film that they absolutely didn't have to, but they pioneered a new technology to have it in there, is they they digitally recreated the four color printing process that's used for comic books so that they could wow. actually have that in the film. So, like, that effect that you see where it's almost like you're watching a 3D film but with the glasses off, mm. like, that is, like, deliberate misregistering of, like, the four-color printing process. Yeah. But, like, the reason that they've That's done that is so that you're never in any doubt about where your eyes are supposed to be drawn to. Yeah. So, like, the fact that every single frame of the film has, like, an actual animator's hand-drawn touch on it this like 2.5d way of of animating that like cartoon saloon did it amazingly with uh wolf walkers um and films like puss in boots the last wish and the bad guys mm -hmm. and the upcoming teenage mutant ninja turtles film are doing it again now like everything just pops so much more like it's such a cliche to say every frame of painting but i literally follow a twitter account that posts a frame a day from mm -hmm into the spider-verse and i've never seen one of them where i haven't gone i would have that on my wall yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, ross, ross talk about goosebumps moments mine i think a lot of people's is when he first yeah uh, uh jumps off the top of that building and the grass uh you know shatters and he's upside down in the city in that shot there 
first time I saw that, I was like, oh, that's a that's a fucking shot. Yeah, there's some really cool shots, like mm. like the whole oh. car chase. Ch- well, the chase uh, with the prowler and stuff, like all mm. those chase scenes are really cool. Yeah, um, and that's got a cool little Stan Lee cameo. One of his many cameos is he's in one of the train carriages uh, yeah. as Miles yeah. being pulled along the subway. And then when Miles is being trampled on the street, Stanley's one of the people that walks over him. Walks over him. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there was a nice. when they. I think I think I remember hearing this on the behind the scenes was when they when Miles and Peter first swing for the first time in that forest with the hard drive, because to show that uh, Peter was just more smooth, I think they kept him at like the normal like twenty four. Well, yes, yeah, oh, yeah. and then it's it's the whole animating on twos thing. Yeah, that was it. That's two. Yeah. The film is so, uh, yeah, yeah, and then uh, so a second, but Miles is only twelve frames a second until mm. so he looks. He looks a bit more jarring, a little bit more so stuttery. Just clever. yeah, just so he looks a bit more inexperienced. Yeah, little things like that were um, were great. Um, I like how Matt said uh, at the start. I think it was Matt that said he's, he had a, uh, Peter had enough time to put the doodad in and fall through the uh, portal. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I can't find any other like proper faults with this film. It's just like. A few that is really a miracle. stupidly. That is such a rarity. Well, I know, isn't it? That's literally. Like, this film is literally amazing. The only, uh, I'll say, the only, the only little gripe I have about it is the dad's like inspirational speech. Was you know wasn't for me enough for him to like turn around because he's just been Mars has just been webbed to the chair. He's just been told he's basically not good enough to do this mission. And uh, Peter says you got to take a leap of faith. And then his dad just kind of says, he says, yeah, like you know something's happened to like, your uncle, but. Uh, I don't want us to drift apart. I see something in you. You're going to be great. And then kind of like then walks away. And it was just, I think that, that was kind of it. And I was just a bit like, oh, I, I just feel like he needed a couple more lines. That's the beauty of it. No, like... I, didn't, I didn't think it was enough to, for him to suddenly like burst out of his chair miles and be like, oh, he, now, now no, because he like... wants to please his dad. Like he, when he can't call his uncle Aaron, he then goes mm. to call his dad. It rings once and he hangs up. Like, yeah, he has I know. this it's constant just... thing of trying to be enough he... for his dad. And not yeah. feeling like his dad loves him. And then when he becomes I, a man who his dad hates, like yeah. his dad's so vocal about his attitudes towards Spider-Man. And then he thinks that, and he's just seen his dad after, like he knows his uncle's dead because he was the one stood over his body. Mm. And his dad runs towards him with hatred. And like, you get that real sense, like that real sense from his dad as he runs past him. Like those little things. So I that get, when he then I hears that, he's like, that. Uh, uh, have a heart, I get Andy. All, I, Have a heart. I do. I do. I just need another line or two to release. You know, it was literally like ten seconds ago. The other Peter was like, "Go invisible and do a venom strike," and he's like, uh, "I can't." And then he had like two. It was like two lines of proper inspirational stuff. Love Everything is else all was you fluff. need. But it wasn't even that much love. It wasn't, love. It, wasn't, it wasn't that much love. It was a bit like <laughs> have a bit of likeness, and then that, and he's like, "All right, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be Spider Man now." But, um... Just on just on the go invisible bit, uh, mm. the the moment when all of the spider people are there, and they're asking what Miles's powers are, and then <laughs> Peter Peter's there like he can go invisible, can't go invisible, but not on command. Yeah, not on command. Can't do it on command. I mean, I love it when Peter breaks down in front of M- MJ with the bread when they're supposed to be waiters. Oh. <laughs> Um, and he's he's, he's basically apologising so to MJ. Who's, yeah, and then at the end he's like, "Oh yeah, you want bread?" Uh. It's him crying. Yeah, man, that was that cracks me up every time. And they're like, <laughs> "Yeah, that's it." It is full out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I for me, 
the the moment of the film for uh, it's J- it's Jake Johnson, isn't it? I keep it is. I, yeah. I, I keep I occasionally go Jack Johnson. I'm like no, that's a, that is a musician. But it's the moment where this where Miles learns to swing, and he's like, "Oh, my, Miles, you're doing so great. I'm so proud of you." Wow, do I want kids? <laughs> Just, yeah. Yeah. It's so good. It like his his yeah. journey from being a curmudgeon to starting to care about it's just it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. The whole well, bloody it's, thing. It's, it's, it's really it's, cool. Being Sorry, yeah. uh, I didn't mean to cut across. No, it's just because I think it's something like we keep touching on it, but there is, and Rashi kind of nailed it with and drew with the poignancy. But to like, it's worth kind of taking time to reflect that whilst this is a fun family film, there is so much heavy like the undertones throughout it there's so such a weight the weight of responsibility on miles with peter parker's death which in itself is done in such a kind of shock and all way for those who aren't oh. expecting it and those who perhaps aren't aware of the comics and like, i remember the first time i wasn't aware that peter parker was going to die in it because we heard he was in the film later and then yeah suddenly that kind of bombshell moment with fists mm. slamming into him it's just like oh, oh. brutal and then I'm like, oh, but it's like he's just pretending to be dead. It's like, no, he's fucking. Yeah, he's dead. He's real. He's real dead. The poignancy in the way that the delicate way that they kind of play with it for me, I think, really what lifts this to a a mega film, like yeah. from a very good film and a very entertaining film to something where now I can't wait for my kids to watch it, and I can't wait to go back with. And you know, you kind of put it to the side for a bit, then you're like, oh, what do I fancy watching? Oh, I want to watch Spider Verse again. Like, just sit yeah. down and enjoy every minute of it. Like, do you and think, Andy, you've kind of said the speech maybe didn't hit for you, but is the general vibe that like those? Oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's the thing. The moment landed. I get, I get. It was maybe it's just me. I like, I like dialogue. It just needed another line or two for me to like just, and not just another like, I believe in you, whatever you want, you know turn out to uh-huh. be which i think is kind of what he said but just a, a little bit more other than that like i got it and felt it and yeah fist pumped Things when like he, when uncle he, when he... aaron is the prowler we all like, holy fuck did, yeah man did we all know so... about that before that um no i don't think so when i when i first watched it i think i don't think i played the the game or something anything like that I don't know if it's real. Out then, I don't think. Yeah, no, no, they, no, they, both came out, they both came out in the same year and i want to check no. what the release date no but to be fair, I, I remember first time I saw this, I remember like Spider-Man has that curse of someone you're close with has got to die. Um, and I thought it was going to be the, that I thought it was going to be the Peter Parker, uh, uh, Jake Johnson, Jack Johnson, mm. whatever his name is. I thought he was actually going to die at the end. Um, and then mm. when, Aaron, uh, when Uncle Aaron died, I was a bit like, oh yeah, okay, cool, cool. But, so well, the, 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 game, the game was out for three months before mm. so i had oh, definitely wow. finished the story but oh wait no but no the, well, the miles different. yeah miles is that's actually the, the it came out when the miles morales. Morales. yeah mm-hmm. um wow yeah, well, we're so, seeing yeah i had game, no idea it's miles morales dad that dies we're obviously in the film yes yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So they have the difference and that kind of mm. t- that feeling but yeah, yeah. I, for me, I can't. One of the standout things, as I've said, is just that every every moment of weight lands with the most beautiful orchestra. Like it's so nicely done, and everything is given its time to play out. You know, nothing's overhammed, but nothing's rushed. So the the moment in the alleyway, there's just enough time with him and his uncle there. 
for it mm. to to really hit that speech with his dad. For me, like the tears were flooding down my face at that point, and yeah. <laughs> you know, it's one of them. Like as an animation, it's worth saying that you know it's not been animated to look like a visual like things like the outside the scenery outside of the houses looks ultra realistic where people the humans and the characters and it aren't portrayed in a ultra realistic way they feel very much like an animation but even taking that aside like the vocal performance of it captures every bit and every every note of emotion that you want to get from it and they've got so many like good actors in it that's why, mm. like, you know, yeah. they cast so many good people. You know, Mahashala Ali, how do you say it? Is that yeah. Yeah. The yeah. new Blade. Um, yeah. He's, yeah, he's great as the, de- as the yeah. dad. Like, They're all good. I was uh, just he's, thinking, he's Aaron. It's, he, um, he's a, he's a prowler. It's Brian Tyree Henry. No, Mahashala Ali is the prowler. Yeah, yeah. sorry, yeah, you said he's great as Oh, sorry, yeah, 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 sorry, yeah, the prowler, I mean. Sorry, the mm. uncle. Uncle, yeah. mommy. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, Brian, yeah, he's like, he was fucking shit hot in Atlanta and they've obviously got like, yeah. and he's in this and um, yeah. Like, I mean, he's just been nominated for the Oscar, wasn't he, for Causeway as well? Yeah. Like, he's yeah. on a real sort of hot streak. But I was just going to mention on the performances as well, like the one of the scenes for me that on rewatches, just like, I think it crystallizes a lot of what makes this such a special film is the the alleyway when his uncle dies like Mm. there's a real like unflinching heaviness to to that scene like they let miles break down like he doesn't do like a sort of coming of age moment of like you know a manly tear forms and all of a sudden he's a man like he really just crumples Mm. and i think it was such a courageous and like bold decision on the filmmakers is part that that would be disrupted by his dad arriving and literally being about to raise a gun to his own son. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that's such a dramatic moment that I think that's what was at the forefront of my mind when the scene comes where Miles is tied up in the chair is that <laughs> he's hearing his dad tell him how much he loves him, knowing how much his dad also hates him. And it's that kind of like moment of you're seeing a visual representation of the fact that that's Spider-Man's curse. Like he can't say what he wants to say because Spider-Man can't let that happen for Spider-Man to exist. There has to always be this distance between him and his family. Mm. And he can't ever think of that because it's the spider web over his mouth. that's stopping him from speaking as well. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, and that's so why Jordan like, gets paid to do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it is that it is that that tension that is the. I think that's why generationally we all resonate with the character of Spider-Man and that dichotomy that you get with. I mean, superheroes in general, I suppose, because so many of them are rooted in trauma and grief and various forms of pain. Is that this idea that there are there are two sides to any person? There's the side of you that the world sees, and then there is this voice that's inside of you that you desperately wish you could say all the things that you want to say, but you end up having to find another way to do it, whether that's you write about things or whether that's you 
put on some spandex and go beat up some bad guys <laughs> or whether that's hopping on a podcast and chatting about films where people do talk about those things <laughs> like, everybody everybody wears a mask mm. and the great thing with into the spider-verse is that it turns that everybody wears a mask into anybody can wear the mask and that's yeah. the empowering sort of message that yeah. you take from it pretty cool yeah i think we've we got to kind of dwell on it because Wilson Frisk is the kind of chief antagonist in this, and they they give Frisk an extra dimension that is very rarely kind of seen in other productions and other adaptations yeah. of Frisk. And that you know he sees all the reason he's building the super collider is whilst completely dangerous and crazy and whatnot is for it's coming from a place of love in itself with his what i'm presuming wife and kid and like the way that we're kind of introduced to this human side of fisk that is ultimately at the center of why he wants to build this multiverse and get back to his family that they can't find a trace of in the first scene um like how how does that for you kind of play out and did we all enjoy the fact that we kind of gave someone who has with the recent daredevil coverage at this point been very much just touted mm. as big bad don't fuck with like suddenly it's like even though he's, he's so implicitly yeah. evil he's coming from a place of love that people can understand mm. yeah, yeah I, I, think, I guess it's, it's similar to scholar witch's sort of mm. journey in <laughs> multiverse of madness you know she just wants to go and find a, a, a universe True. with her kids um and like, yeah, it gives him more layers, I guess, than just I'm massive and I <laughs> um, and I love crime. This. Yeah, um, and the, yeah, and, and it, yeah, it, it rounds him as a three-dimensional villain rather than just making it. Yeah, he's just a crime boss, I guess. Yeah, it's interesting. I was thinking actually, if you don't know anything about Spider-Man, you come into this film. You don't know how bad Fisk is until he kills Spider-Man. That is pretty bad. But apart from that, <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, like, um, yeah, it's done. It, yeah, it's done to make him a bit more. Does that dude fit like cars? Or... That's what I want to know. <laughs> Did you yeah. see the tank yeah. turned up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I have to admit, I that his character design was it. It worked for me, but that's mm. one of the only things. But it only just worked. Like there are moments when, when it it looks like his head is in is like on his sternum because his <laughs> yeah. his head's so far down yeah. in relation to the top of his silhouette, and occasionally I was a bit like, <laughs> oh, that is just a tad too much. But it like that's I don't think a very minor either, does he? There's there, no. there's an interesting thing with that. Like the the animators basically had a rule with Fisk, which was that. They wanted him to be the human embodiment of a black hole. Yeah, like yeah. they, they wanted him yeah. to just be this, this cavernous space that could consume anything in his path. Mm. But they basically had so that the form, the the suit, and the black area could be any size. So it could completely dwarf someone in the frame. He can be smaller in the more humanizing moments where he's like thinking about his wife, and there's moments where he's being reduced in stature because the emotions becoming more intense. But then they do literally just have like essentially a floating head and hands, and that's <laughs> everything that you've got to anchor you in the like 
the biology of this, yeah. <laughs> this absolute behemoth. And I think it works on like a, a very expressionistic level. But there are occasions where you just kind of go like, oh, look, it's like a floating Wilson fish head touched on top of the frame. Yeah. How do we feel, everyone, about taking a thought from what Andy says? Like, if you haven't seen or you don't know anything about Spider-Man and you watch this uh, this movie, so obviously we touched on Fisk. We've also got variations of uh, the the antagonists, the enemies, the villains that he fights with. Uh, is it Olivia Octavia? Yeah, uh, Olivia yeah, Octavius. Yeah. Um, and obviously Scorpions introduced and what have you as well. Uh, but then we've got variations of the Spider-Man from a multiverse. Like, how do do we think they picked the right angles with those villains, with those heroes? Would we have wanted to see other variants of Spider-Man? What are people's feelings on that? I think they picked the right amount. I think if you have too many, then it's just. Mm. I think it would get lost. I think. Um, I think three is enough. Like, did you like the three they picked? Would you have gone for any other things that you would have wanted to see? I mean, I, I Penny is a bit weird, like, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like, but it, I, I, it's it's weird, but I like it. I like you know that it's a total different culture of what if if this is Spider Man in, uh you know, in the other in the other side of the world, that's probably what Spider Man would be. Do you know what I mean? Like well, Spider Woman or Spider Person. Um yeah. and then yeah, and Spider Spider Ham was again like eh. Spider Noir's really good. I really like that. I like that's that just because it's Nicholas Cage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, him talking about the Rubik's Cube was great. Take this back to my world. <laughs> the the Spider-Man Noir comic books are actually like really genuinely good reads as well because they're written like sort of pulp fiction, like hardball detective. Yeah, <laughs> but it's Spider-Man. Yeah, and so, the... so are Spider-Ham and Penny actual Spider variants? People? But yeah. are they actual comics that they've made? Yeah. So oh, okay. I I can speak to that a bit because I've recently been reading Matilda, the Spider-Ham comics, oh, the, okay. the spectacular Spider-Ham and the adventures of Peter Porker, <laughs> uh, yeah. who, honestly, the, the Spider-Ham comics are, are great. Like, the all of the villains are basically puns on existing Spider-Man villains. And um, nice. the... All of the Avengers are in it as well with different names. And it's really <laughs> annoying me that I can't immediately think of any of the funniest <laughs> ones. <laughs> but, but like, uh, hang on a minute. Wait, no. Uh, someone's going to have to do some filler because I need to actually show you some of the Avengers names because they are genuinely <laughs> I'll come to Drew while we're, was... while we're there. Is there anyone that you, like, are there any variants that you can think of off the top of your head or any that you know about? Obviously, okay, we see Spider-Man 2099 at the end. Go on. Oh, have we got some? So we've got Captain America Cat. We've got <laughs> Iron Mouth. We've got, we've got Hulk Bunny, which d- they didn't even try with that one. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they come from the Larvel universe rather than the Marvel universe, <laughs> uh, which tells you the, the extent 
of, of their uh, their efforts. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, the the Spider Ham comics are very like cheesy and quite sort of almost in a similar vein to like Looney Tunes esque cartoon yeah. papers. Um, and then like the Spider Man Noir comics are like actual sort of hard-boiled detective fiction like Spider-Man in the late 1930s fighting Nazis like and what they did with Into the Spider-Verse is like that's taken from a real comic book event which was the edge of Spider-Verse that led into Spider-Verse and Spider-Geddon where loads of variants from across the multiverse all bled into one world and were sort of facing a common enemy so like over the course of Spider-Verse you got Spider Punk, and you got Prabhathar Parker, who's the Indian Spider Man that's going to be in the new Spider Man Across the Spider Verse in more recent versions because they brought back the Spider Verse for End of Spider Verse. You've even got Spider Rex, which is Spider Man as a dinosaur. Oh, Oh, I'm sorry. I want to go back and take a point off. Like, why aren't we getting Spider X? (laughs) Wait till my pitch comes in. (laughs) Spider X only existed as of about eight months ago, but it would not surprise me if we see Spider X before. (laughs) I hope so. Maybe they've been written in because they know they're coming in the movie. Maybe that's how it now works for something this amazing. (laughs) But, like, there's even. the Dan Slot, who's a very like, he's a very famous but like he's written more Spider-Man comics than pretty much anybody. But he's also infamous because he was behind the um, the One More Day Spider-Man arc, which retconned fifty plus years of continuity and made a lot of people very angry. <laughs> Not myself included. I actually quite liked the audacity of what he did, uh, <laughs> where Spider-Man gives up his entire life with Mary Jane um you, it's a whole thing you need to read the comics um, <laughs> but he even he even has a variant in the most recent version of the the Spider-Verse called Peter Palmer who's named after in the very original first issue of the Spider-Man comics there was a printing error <laughs> where Peter Parker was named Peter Palmer and his name was supposed <laughs> to be Parker, and he's referred to elsewhere as Peter Parker. So there's a spider variant that's Peter Palmer. And Your hand. All of his all of his panels in the comic, there's mistakes in them. So the whole <laughs> joke of it is that things just aren't quite right. So like the spider on his suit changes proportions, the colors are the wrong way around. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's um, so good. That's so really good. Like, yeah. The possibilities for Spider Verse are like massive. And one thing that I thought was really interesting because I listened to the commentary on the film a little while ago is like they were originally just going to have the main three Spider variants. So Miles Morales, you'd have Peter B. Parker and Spider Gwen. And so that was your whole Spider-Verse, just the three of them together. But like the only reason that they didn't expand it further sooner was they were there like, this is going to take a lot of work because we want any spider variant that's introduced has to have their own unique aesthetic, their own unique animation style. Mm-hmm. Um, but as soon as they, as soon as they locked in Spider-Man Noir, uh, Penny Parker and Spider-Ham, they were like, okay, this whole film's changed now. Um, <laughs> and I would say definitely for the better, like mm-hmm. everything, everything Spider-Man Noir says, it's just music to my ears. Yeah. Um, I was I never had happiness turn to sadness as quickly as when 
I found out that Amazon were doing a Spider-Man Noir series in live action, and then they said that Nick Cage wouldn't be back in Spider-Man Noir. Yeah. Oh, no. What's no. the point? Absolutely. Uh, ruined it. <laughs> I think you mentioned music in your, in your talk, anyway. Rashid kind of hinted it in your in your bits before but it's where that's it's worth taking a minute just to credit the the way they use music and sound and whatnot in this not just commercial music but the the soundscape and whatnot as well it's pretty amazing last year i know you you're our music guard you want to kind of elaborate some of the points that stood out for you with it me or drew yeah yeah oh me ross andrew or drew yeah 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 (laughs) Yeah, Daniel Pemberton uh, did the score for this, um, and it's it's got like for a for a series that obviously is very well known for their soundtracks. You know, Spider Man um, with Tobey Maguire. Um, it's quite a lot to live up to, you know, to make that to make it a unique soundtrack without it being generic um and i think daniel pemberton really did a really really good job like with the orchestral music that he did in the into the spider-verse um you know it's that it got it's you know a mix of you know hip-hop and and dance with also orchestral music and that epicness as well and there's you know that specific sting that happens when he does the shoulder touch thing that's kind of used as like miles morales's theme i would say like you know when he's like you, you know when he's thinking about like when he's doing the superhero stuff basically um that's his like theme which i really think is good so if you want to have a look at uh, go to yeah, it's called Shoulder Touch on the album. If you go to Spotify, you'll be able to listen to it. What do you think, Drew? I don't know. It, I, I couldn't really add anything to what you've said. It, it, I mean, aside, apart from the, the in-universe music, like everything that Miles listens to that he's singing along to, like the fact that they drop Biggie Smalls in a Spider-Man movie and just that i've got goosebumps thinking about that it's just it's just another part of a huge puzzle this entire episode i've literally just come in at the end and just been like yeah i I agree it is good isn't it (laughs) one of the one of the really cool things as well with the score just because i'm also a little bit of a score nerd and Spider-Verse is on quite a heavy rotation is like Daniel Pemberton recorded the whole score with an orchestra and then they mastered it onto vinyl and then they literally had a DJ come in so they could get actual record scratches on the orchestral recording so like instead of just like inserting a scratch here or like inserting an effect there like they literally record it like it's it's recordception of like they got <laughs> yeah. the orchestra in, made the record, and then they recorded him scratching the record Bloody so hell. that they could literally <laughs> combine that like classical superhero orchestral oh, score <laughs> with like the hip hop modern vibe that they were going for. Um, I think, and I mean, the soundtrack itself is just fucking incredible. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. That, along with, with all of the stuff that that we've talked about, that's, I think, what what makes this movie special is all of those places where they put in these extra bits of effort that they absolutely didn't need to like having the having the the dots in the animation the dots are further apart to show which bits are out of focus and the further away from camera the further apart the dots are the animating on twos going into 24 frames a second recording the whole thing transferring it to vinyl then getting someone hmm. to actually scratch that like they didn't need to do that but mm. knowing they all did, of that yeah. just makes it even more special that these people could have with the script and the story that they had put out an a, a, a normal like a, a an animated movie that was I, I it it feels very reductive to say just a straightforward animated movie because making any animated movie is a huge undertaking and a miracle that it happens but they could have done the kind of bare minimum around this story and these characters and these actors and still had an excellent film mm -hmm. but they just did everything and that's so special when people clearly care so much about a thing that they will make they will inspire other people to just do all of this bonkers stuff because <laughs> it's so good i'm i'm yeah. in awe of this film so I think without obviously giving scores away at this point, listeners, you're going to be jumping back over to the episode to hear our scores very shortly. But I think it goes to say that there is a very positive vibe from everyone sat in, sat in this chat right now. So the question <laughs> was something like this, and we have discussed it on a few films that we've done, is what are our feelings towards the upcoming sequel? Are we excited for it? Are we nervous about it? taking those little moments aside that we've kind of discussed as well like mm. for me i can't help but have a sense of trepidation right now being that marvel isn't exactly on its best run sony are yeah. you know with with no way home we've kind of hit a bit of a, a, a an end there so I, I'll, I'll hold my hands up and say I'm a little bit nervous about this sequel. What are your guys' thoughts about it as we come to the end of this part of the podcast? Ooh, yeah, I can see why you're a bit scared. I definitely had a hard time coming up with an idea. So um, obviously they've got a two and three and maybe more in the pipeline. So they've got an idea of what of what to do. But um, yeah, it's just, is it going to be obviously as, you know, as, as stupid as it sounds, is it going to be as good as as... The first one is it going to make us all feel like this basically if it does great i am yeah i'm also skeptical um as well just going off i guess the uh, the after credit scene as well which we, we we haven't really touched on because it has to be based around that what's what's this random person that we don't know who uh who is what, what what's he doing what's he up to we don't know who he is we definitely don't know who he is so uh we might I wrote find my, out shortly. <laughs> yeah, I wrote my my pitch not knowing who he was. So um... right, cool, good to know. Or <laughs> <laughs> jump swiftly on before you give any more away. Drew, what are your kind of thoughts about the upcoming sequel? I I I have every faith that they've got that they they have an excellent story. Frankly, like it, it's Amazing. yeah, mm -hmm. I I. 
I'm still putting the finishing touches onto my pitch now, as it happens, and have been for the entire time we've been recording because I struggled so much to come up with. I, I like I went, oh yeah, no, that would be a cool idea. But then the curse of trying to when when we pitch sequels to a terrible movie, we have the option to either just we get to be completely stupid and kind of make fun of it and have a good time, or we get to try and fix it and redeem it through our sequel. Where this is just like, how on earth yeah. do you live up to what they did before? But they they did it once, and I don't believe it was luck at all. In no way do I believe that there was luck involved in this film turning out as well as it did. It 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 couldn't it could not be so perfect across the board if it was luck. It would be like eighty percent perfect if it was luck. But this is just masterful. So very very big bar. But yeah. Drew, yeah. please don't get there. That's what we like. More positivity, Ross. Come on. Nah, it's gonna be shit. <laughs> <laughs> nah, yeah, I think it's gonna be. I think you know they've got they've got the style. They've got like the basis for a uh, to hit that those um, things and go further as well. You know, Jordan talked about you know the 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 like characters and you know all those other spider people. Um, and if they introduce more of them from across the Spider-Verse, yeah, uh, um, then a lot of comic book fans are going to love that, you know? I think I think they can only hit it, hit a home run. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Jordan, wrapping us up. I, I think this is the first time I've been incredibly excited for a film without being unbearably anxious at the same time. Like it's usually I get really, really excited for something and I'm also at the same time thinking, I don't know if I ever want to watch it because it could never be the film that I'm thinking it's gonna be in my head. Uh, yeah. such an experience happened with Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. But that being said, like with with Across the Spider-Verse, like all of the omens are there for it being something that's gonna be another giant leap. I mean just looking at the directing team that they've got for this one. So there's three new directors, which means three new visions to be put on the screen. You've got Joaquim Dos Santos, who worked on Avatar Legend of Aang and Legend of Korra, which are both incredible animated series with like real nuance in the storytelling and themes. You've got Kemp Powers, who produced what and directed what, for my money, is one of Pixar's best films in recent years, which was Soul. And then you also have Justin K. Thompson, who's kind of been like a protege of Lord and Miller ever since the Cloudy with a Chance of Meatball days. And you have Lord and Miller returning as the writers who, you know, <clears throat> everything that they touch kind of turns to gold at this point. So like from a creative standpoint, you've got people that are incredible at what they do all in a room together, being guided by people that have already outlined the story, which don't I don't know why I'm bagging on Star Wars all of a sudden, but it turns out if you don't plan your story before you start telling it, it might run into a few roadblocks along the way. Yeah. <laughs> they planned it out here. And, you know, you get to the end of Into the Spider-Verse and think, okay, well, where can they go now? What can they do now? And they've come up with the most easy, almost stupidly obvious answer possible, 
which is we brought the multiverse to Miles in the first film. We are bringing Miles to the multiverse in the second. So mm-hmm. all of that visual invention that you had in the first film through the characters that came in, you're now going to step into whole new worlds that have been animated differently. So like from stuff that I've been reading already and stuff that I've I've been told about the film so far, like we're going to see Gwen's world, which is in watercolor. You're going to see villains that are done in the style of Da Vinci paintings. Like everything just sounds like it's going to be epic and I cannot wait for it. Yeah. Well, boys, if it your does... pictures don't live up to that, we got a problem. <laughs> we got yeah, a problem. <laughs> it's, yeah, I was just going to say the only thing to, to talk like Jordan there is just we've had a lot of multiversal stuff at the moment. So kind of that's what that's where my skepticism is a little bit is what can this film bring even though it's animation so definitely different styles and stuff like that but yeah that's why i'm a bit scared it's just what can we, what can this what can this bring since we've already had no way home uh doctor strange yeah Doctor Strange didn't explore any universes apart from a slightly went different to three. one and we saw different, you know, different characters in there, and it's just like, yeah, it's. I'm saying I'm looking forward to it, but we've seen different characters in this, and we've seen different styles in another movie, and you know, it's just like, oh, but I'm a crucial. Andy's well, banned. I'm waiting to be entertained. Andy's banned. Andy's <laughs> banned. Dropping my, dropping my score because I'm, I'm, I'm worried now. So. <laughs> a crucial difference here is that Sony Pictures Animation are actually paying their animators and giving them, <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 which is this new concept that's recently yeah. been introduced. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not everyone's taken it on board, but uh, no, just just Sony. <laughs> Um, well, there oh, we go. Shit. I've got to. I've got to bring us to an end of that wonderful uh, Patreon exclusive chat about such yeah, an amazing now, film. That <laughs> is a bumper exclusive. Like mm. all, all of that time for currently, as far as I know, still three patrons. Like I hope you three are super duper happy with the hour long review you just got. You, you better be. You're you getting your money's worth this month. Well, let us know. Let your friends know how amazing, how good value you get for that couple of quid that you give us. <laughs> You're welcome. Hang on a minute. Uh, Wait. Do we have confirmation that these three patrons aren't just three of you guys? Yes. <laughs> no, we actually do. Like, they no. have to sign up. It's not you any of us. It's true, Doinby. Yeah. yeah. Andrew yeah. And Rat Mushton. Rat Mushton. <laughs> that guy's a dodgy bastard. Mushton, <laughs> you know. That sounds like somebody that's... Spider-Man Noir would punch in the face. Yeah. yeah. Or that, that should coming be a D&D character, Matt. Rat Mushton, it's coming out. <laughs> there you go. Catch us on our D&D special next time. No, you won't. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed the pictures. Anyway, you know where to find us. Jump over to your favourite podcast streaming platform where you can now hear these three pitch up against... Jordan and I, who will be making our decisions on who has the best sequel pitch.